Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Monday, February the 14th, 2022. It is currently 5.13 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the empty sanctuary of Victory Baptist Church located right here in Ovalo, Texas. Now, sometimes, well, not just sometimes, many times, maybe not many times, maybe most of the time, who am I kidding? All the time. Okay, maybe that's a little bit of an exaggeration. There are many times where something is going on within culture, something is happening, and the church decides to step up and respond to what is happening. They start preaching about it, talking about it on Christian podcasts, producing books and videos about it. They are going to address the issue because this is spreading through culture and the church realizes, wait a minute, we've got to talk about it. Now, most of the time, and in fact, I will almost say all the time, the church is typically reactive. In other words, they wait till something becomes this really big thing within society and then the church does everything it can, it hurries up to try to catch up and to respond to what's going on in culture. Now, in many cases, the culture is already starting to move on to something else. In many cases, the church, the culture is already moving on and the church is like, we've got to talk about it. And everybody's kind of looking at them going, that was so yesterday. What are you doing? Like, we've already moved on. Okay, but in many cases, the church sometimes looks really Like they struggle to really respond to what's going on in culture in real time. So so typically they are behind. Typically they are reactive instead of proactive. And then in many cases, when the church finally comes up with its great response, (laughs) in many cases, it's either completely illogical, unbiblical, crazy, insane, Just at times you're like, what is the church doing? And in many cases, the church's reaction undermines its own theology. Let me give you an example. Sometimes the church will, when they respond, they get involved in arguing that which they shouldn't even be arguing. They will start battling about something they shouldn't even be fighting about. The church sometimes picks the wrong war. It picks the wrong message. It picks the wrong battle. It's just over and over and over. I've witnessed this, and sometimes I'm just left shaking my head. Let let me try to give you this. Maybe this, there there are hundreds of examples I could give, but then I would turn, this could just turn into me telling stories about all of the crazy things I've seen in my Christian life when the church decides to finally respond to something. And typically they are way, way, way behind. I'll give you, I'll give you two quick examples. One I've given many times. The other one I've only given a few times, but this one I've given a bunch. Early, I see, I don't even know what year it was. We could go back and I could look up all the dates, but a long time ago, it feels like in a galaxy far, far away. Um, I, uh, I had heard that a book was coming out called The Da Vinci Code. And I started reading a little bit about the book going, mm, this I think is going to be an issue. I think that this is probably going to catch on. Um, the the writer, I think, has is, is got enough. I think this writer and and the subject of the book and the way this is going to go, I think it's going to get a lot of attention in the world. And I could even see a movie being made of this. So here's what I'll do. So I came to church and say, hey, every, I said, hey, everyone, a book is going to be coming out. It's called The Da Vinci Code. Here's what I want everyone in the church to do. Buy a copy and read it. Now, I remember having a, uh, a younger couple in the church at the time, and they were like, wait, you think the book is going to be completely messed up, but you want me to read it? Yeah, because if we know what's in it, then we can talk about it and we can respond to it. And so once the book, the book came out like the next week, I think, and I, and I came to the church and I said, okay, everyone, the book begins with making these historical claims They make historical claims. And some of these historical claims are historically false. And they make some claims about the, the council of Nicaea. We're going to talk, we're going to do a study on the council of Nicaea. So you know what actually happened at the council and we can address some of these issues. I remember, so the book, I mean, literally within a week of the book coming out, I was already addressing it and dealing with what was going on. Now, I remember like a month later, maybe two months later, 
I was at another church because we were there because uh, a family was participating in whatever they were doing. So we were there. And I remember going up, uh, talking to the pastor saying, hey, are you going to, uh, you, what are you going to do with the Da Vinci Code? How are you going to address it? And I'll never forget the look on the face. I'm not going to do anything. And, and they're like, almost like they were offended. They would ask them what they're going to do. So I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm an idiot because I'm addressing the Da Vinci Code. All right. Well, then guess what happened? Guess what? I, you see, can I remember what? Oh, yeah, they made a movie. Oh, guess what? Everyone was talking about it. And then all of a sudden, Christians started stumbling over themselves. Oh, we got to release a DVD series about the Da Vinci Code. And we got to do a teaching series. And I'm like, we, we covered that like two years ago. There's no need to talk about it anymore. But over and over, I've watched the church do the exact same thing. Another example, 1990s. Lots of discussion about homosexuality. And there was a lot of push in the 1990s of saying homosexuals are born that way. Homosexuals are born that way. And I kept looking at going, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Christians, let's not engage that battle. That's not, let's not get engaged. Because by engaging that battle, we're missing the whole point right? We're going to fight. No, you're not born that way. But we've got scientific proof. Oh, your scientific proof is garbage. You're not born that way. I am born that way. You're not that born that way. We are born that way. And everyone's fighting about who's born which way. And I'm like, why are we engaging in that battle? First of all, you're dealing with human sexuality. Why some people are attracted to something or have a certain desire for something sometimes it's not, there's no way to explain it. Some people like something and other people don't. Why? Why? I know this. If they're not born that way and they chose it, well, then I know this. I'm, I'm incapable of choosing that because there's no way I could. It's not within me. So why is it that I was born without the ability to choose it and they were born with the ability to choose it? Because I never could. And I know this. I clearly did not choose being a heterosexual. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't choose just one day going, you know what? I'm going to choose to like women. I'm going to choose to think women are attractive. It just was there. So, but, but my thing was, why are we debating about this? Because whether you're born that way or not born that way, it doesn't change the biblical teaching. And here's the reason why. We're all born sinners. And even though I'm born a sinner with a sinful nature, guess what? Any participation in sin is still sin and it is still condemned. So whether I was born that way or not born that, or whether I was born that way has no bearing on whether the action is sinful or not. I'm born a sinner, but if I sin, my sin is condemned. Well, you can be born a homosexual if you engage in the activity. It is still sinful. I'm born a heterosexual, but if I engage in heterosexual a sexual relationship with someone who's not a, my marriage partner, guess what? I've sinned. Or if I engage in a heterosexual relationship sexually with someone before I'm married, it's a sin, even though I'm born a heterosexual. So why are we arguing about whether we're born that way or not? But nobody would listen to me and the church fought and fought and back and forth. And it's just like, this is the most ridiculous thing I have ever seen. So either the church is stumbling over itself to react way after the fact, or it's engaged in the most foolish battle you can imagine. You're like, why are we fighting that? Now, I say all of that because we are currently watching another cultural phenomenon, another cultural fad. Now, I don't, I think, I think we're probably, I think, I think probably the fad is, go, I think everyone's going to move on because fads don't last that long and our current society, everything moves so fast. It's like, boom, boom. This is the thing today. And it's all like, wait, 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 butterfly, butterfly. No, that's the thing. It's like, wait, 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 puppy, puppy. That's the thing. Whoa, 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 wait, look, kitty cat, kitty cat. It, uh, yeah, I'm just using the example. It's almost like we have an attention deficit disorder as a culture. We're into one thing and then immediately, you know, know that. We're upset about this today. And they're like, wait, wait, wait. No, there's a new thing to be upset about. Everything moves really, really, really quick. But there is a current trend it's been going on for a while. There are some of my listeners who have been following it. To be very fair, this is one of those situations I didn't pay a lot of attention to. I have at least one listener who has sent me a number of emails basically telling me that you need to pay attention to it, and I am grateful for them doing that. I've addressed it in some of my teaching. 
I have not spent as much time on it because I, I, maybe I was, maybe I didn't perceive it as important as I, I should have. But now all of a sudden, it's a big deal and it's controversial. Here's what we're talking about. We're talking about this, this trend of deconstruction. Here's someone who claims to be a Christian. Maybe they were raised in a Christian family and they come to a point of crisis in their faith and they start deconstructing their faith and deciding, you know, they go through this process and they deconstruct and they're like, that's no longer going to be a part of my faith. I'm getting rid of this. I'm getting rid of that. I'm getting rid of this belief. I'm getting rid of that attitude. Now, maybe they'll deconstruct to the point they completely renounce faith, renounce Christianity, renounce Jesus, renounce the scriptures. So some deconstructions end basically almost in a rejection of Christianity itself. Some deconstruction will end with renouncing the church, the corporate church. There's all different outcomes in these de- this deconstruction process. And as you can guess, many Christians are very hostile to the deconstruction idea and condemn it and say negative things about it. Others may have somewhat of a slightly different approach. But as, t- as usual within Christianity, you can almost count on that somebody will either fight the wrong battle when it comes to the deconstruction issue or uh, respond in an unbiblical manner. And we have one such case that you will have to decide if you think is it appropriate, inappropriate, saying the right thing, saying the wrong thing, you'll have to decide. I I wasn't really even going to address it, but it's now showing up every multiple Christian news sites are reporting it. Reporting it. And here's what we have. We have, in fact, where's his name? I want to make sure I give you uh, his correct name. John Cooper. John Cooper is the lead singer, songwriter of the Christian rock band Skillet. All right. He's the lead singer, songwriter, may even be one of the co-founders of the band. I can't remember. I don't remember all the history of Skillet, but Skillet's been around for Ever. Skillet's been around for a very, very long time and a very prominent band in the Christian rock scene. Now, I do find it interesting. There was a time that most conservative Christians would be like, that Christian rock is ungodly. It's worldly. It's sinful. We don't want that in our churches. We don't want our Christian kids listening to it because it's just packaging the world in a disguise of spirituality. But now all of a sudden, well, now a Christian rock star, I guess, I can call him a, a Christian rock star. Now, now a Christian rock band, well, now they're kind of like, we agree with him. It's like, wait a minute, I thought was Christian, so Christian rock is good. I can't decide on which day which thing is right or which thing is wrong because Christianity can never make up its mind. But now the Christian rock singer is, he's the good guy because, well, he has declared war, war, I tell you, on deconstruction. That's at least how it's being reported. Now, there's a video clip that went viral of John Cooper, lead singer, songwriter. Again, maybe co-founder, maybe founder. I don't even remember. Of the band Skillet. I have seen Skillet in concert. I've listened to their music. I could get to a long story of my love-hate relationship with anything within the contemporary Christian music world. Won't go through all of that long, boring story. But he's now kind of being viewed as a hero by many within the conservative movement that at one time would condemn Skillet. So I'm a little perplexed here, but that's okay. All right. So, but there are some who are like, nope, uh, we disagree with his, his view. But many of those who disagree with his view would be kind of considered those almost who have so deconstructed to the point that we don't even know if we can call them Christian anymore. So it's kind of like the conservatives are like, yay. And the liberal Almost, I don't even know if they're Christians, are the ones like, bad. So it, it's kind of a weird situation, but we need to figure out how to think about it. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to play the, the video clip. In fact, I forgot to load it. I should be able to load it here really quick. Uh, here we go. Uh, yeah, here we go. I've got it. Now, it's two minutes and 12 seconds, but here's the problem with it. It's two minutes and 12 seconds of a video clip that was recorded on someone's cell phone as they were attending a Skillet concert. So he, they're in concert. Now, if not, I may not just be Skillet. I think it's like the winter something tour where there's a number of Christian artists. But Skillet was playing. So it, it was the portion of the Skillet concert in this um, multiple different uh, artists performing at this, at this event. All right. 
If, I, if I'm, trying to, I'm trying to give you an accurate description. So the audio isn't great, but I want to play the audio just so that no one says that I'm, I'm ripping anything out of context. This is the, the viral clip. Now, I'm not saying the viral clip even gives the fuller context, but I haven't heard any argument that his words were taken out of context. I don't think I've heard anybody say that, but I still want to play the audio for you. It's going to sound like complete and utter garbage, but I still want to play it just so that I can say I played it, okay? So this is John Cooper of Skillet talking about deconstruction and the way it's being described is he declared war. You can tell me, is his response biblical? Does it make sense? Is it logical? Now we could argue, is it a little late? We could argue about that. You draw your own conclusions. Here we go. Listen to me, young people up in here. This is so important. There is no such thing as divorcing Jesus Christ from the Bible. That is not a thing. All right, now I got to stop right here. So there's no divorcing Jesus Christ from the Bible. All right. I think we can all agree that that, that makes sense, right? There's no way to divorce Jesus from the Bible because the Bible is the, the very source that reveals us everything about Jesus, who he was and what he did. Okay, I can understand that. Now, I, I, have, I have to pause here. I've been to a lot. Well, first of all, I've been, to a, uh, I've been to so many concerts in my life, so many concerts that I can't even, like I literally cannot even put a number on it, all right? I went to my very first concert when I was in kindergarten. That was Kiss. Then I think my next second concert was Black Sabbath. Um, I think my third uh, concert I, was at the Who. I can't even. Rem- I can't even remember. I mean, I. I mean, I, I. I saw. I have seen every. I mean, you name a band, I've probably seen them in concert. Okay. I mean, co- hundreds and hundreds of concerts, and I've seen a lot of Christian concerts. And I know this, that the Christian singer can pretty much say anything. And everybody's like, yeah, 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 you can't divorce Jesus from the Bible. I haven't read a Bible in six months, but you can't, you can't do that. It's just sometimes I, I've, I've spent so much time going to Christian concerts and, and talking to people like standing in line and with them. And it's like their beliefs and theology are all over the place. And no matter what the artist would say, they will just clap because it's almost kind of like what you're supposed to do. So at sometimes I'm just kind of like, so, so are y'all really worried about Jesus being divorced from the Bible? But you go to churches that don't even preach. It's like sometimes it's just like what? But okay, but whatever. I know I'm being very cynical, but I sometimes it's like, what are you even clapping about? Do you even know what you're clapping about? Do you? I remember seeing Lecrae. When Lecrae was far more friendly, maybe, I'm not saying he's not completely friendly to it today. There's been a lot of changes in Lecrae. If you don't know who Lecrae was, a Christian rapper, or still is. But he he was very much in, you know, carrying a, a MacArthur study Bible. He'd met with Dr. James White. And there was kind of this reformed movement going through the Christian rap world. And he said something that was very much in line with with you know, reformed theology, right? And I remember there was all these young people around going, yeah, 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 right? And I remember after the concert asking them like a couple of questions, like, you remember when Lecrae said, and they didn't, they were clapping, they didn't have no clue of the theological implications. Clearly they weren't reformed. They were as semi-Pelagian to full-blown Pelagian as you can be, clearly Arminian. And I'm like, why were you, you, but hey, my, my, my favorite Christian singer said it, so I will applaud to it, even if I don't really know what it meant. So, 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 okay, maybe that's just my own, maybe that's just my own thing, but sometimes I'm just like, what are you clapping about? What are you clapping about? Do you even know what you're clapping about, right? It's like, yay. So, all right, but I, I, I got no problem with the statement here, right? You cannot divorce Jesus from the Bible. I, I got that. I'm going to back it up. We can play it again. Now, he wants the young people to listen to this. So let's see, is he going to say something about deconstruction that is creating all of the controversy in all of these news articles? You, you tell me if that's even warranted all of the quote-unquote controversy currently with this. Listen to me, young people up in here. This is so important. There is no such thing as divorcing Jesus Christ from the Bible. That is not a thing. But listen, they have divorced themselves from 
people as they can. And it is time for us and your generation to declare war on this idolatrous deconstruction Christian movement. All right, it's time for us to declare war on this idolatrous deconstruction movement because they're coming for you. They're going to take you down. It's time for us to declare war. Now, okay, <laughs> it's a Christian rock concert. All right, so you're not, you're not expecting the most nuanced theological language given. I mean, this is one of the reasons Christian rock was condemned because it's not theological nuanced and their theology is weak and their lyrics sometimes don't make it. So it used to be condemned, but now all of a sudden, I guess we've moved past the condemning of Christian rock and now, whoa, he's saying de- war on deconstructionism. Okay, now, first of all, I would have to ask, again, it's Christian rock concert. So I'm not expect, expecting nuance, but my question would be everyone cheering this. What does a war on the deconstruction movement look like? Like what, what does it mean to war? Well, what does it look like? I mean, how does this work? You know, you walk by, what are you doing? Oh, I'm making a TikTok video because I'm deconstructing. Boom. I'm going to knock your phone out of your hand. I've declared war. You want, oh, like what, what is it? What does a war look like? What does war look like? War and, 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 and do you, how do we battle it? How do we fight it? Like, what, what do you mean a war on it? These are human beings who are deconstructing. How do we declare war on people who've reached a crisis of faith and are starting to question things about Christianity? How do you declare a war on someone like that? Do they need to be fought or do they need to be heard? Do they need to be understood? Or do we need to figure out why so many people are deconstructing their faith and figure out maybe there's something wrong in the church and declare war on what's wrong in the church that's leading so many people maybe to question their faith and to question Christianity? Like, who are we going to declare war on? Oh, you have doubts about your faith? I declare war on you! Or like, wait a minute. Why are you questioning your faith? Well, I was sexually abused by my youth director. Oh, okay. Maybe I shouldn't declare war on you. Oh, 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 oh. It just got quiet, didn't it? Yeah. That, not everybody liked to hear that. Well, I'm, I'm questioning my faith because my mother had cancer and I begged God and I pleaded with God. And my church told me that healing is guaranteed. And I begged and she died. So I'm, I'm questioning the whole thing. Oh, maybe I shouldn't declare war on you. Well, I was a believer and I was going to a Christian college and I was raped. Oh, maybe I shouldn't declare war on you. Not everyone who deconstructs is just some horrible, sinful, idolatrous, evil person. Couldn't it just be a real person with real problems, with real issues? Do they need a war declared upon them? I mean, all they're doing is using social media to put forth their feelings. Why do I need to declare a war on them? Isn't that the great thing about the freedom that like right now I have the ability to turn on a microphone and talk? Do I, should I declare war? So I'm going to back this up a little bit. This is the part that is in all the headlines. He declares war on deconstruction, right? I I don't know what the war looks like. Let me back it up again. Of course, everybody is cheering. Everybody's like, yeah, yeah, war, war. Okay, I don't know exactly, you know, I, I, I've said it so many times, you get enough people in a stadium and you can say almost anything and everybody will be like, it's almost like you just tr- applaud, agreed. And, and it could be the most egregious thing. And, and people, yay! And it's like, I, well, what are we applauding? For? Like, wait, is anybody thinking about what we're applauding about? Anybody? I, but, no, but no, you get caught up in the moment. You get caught up in the moment. And so I've just, I've, I've seen Christian singers say some of the most ridiculous things. And I'm like, what? What are we applauding here again? 
Because that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. That's unbiblical, crazy. I, same thing you'll see in these big mega churches where everyone applauds. Like MacArthur's church is all into the applauding thing now. And, it, and MacArthur will say something like, what in the world? Yay! And I'm like, I don't know what we're applauding. I don't know. It's almost like a conditioned response. Like they speak, I applaud. It, now, how about we listen and then process and then think about it? before we start applauding it. Okay, but all right, let's go back through this again. I know the audio is horrible. I'm sorry, but this is what, this is what is on the internet, all right? This is what's on the interwebs. All right, here we go. But the word of God never changes. And he offers us hope in a time of a pandemic, in the time of people losing their jobs, losing their hope, falling back into drug addiction and alcohol addiction and sexual immorality. Jesus offers hope. Jesus sets the captives free because of the cross. Last thing to say before we play this next song, I wrote a book I gotta tell you about very quickly. It is called Awake and Alive to Truth. I wrote this book specifically because we have a generation of young people who have not been taught the basic principles of the Word of God. It is not their fault. We did not do our jobs properly. We need to do our jobs better. So parents, leaders, that sort of thing, this is on sale. We have a bundle, $20 for the book and our new CD. You can pick it up tonight. Last thing I'm gonna say about this book, I just want you to understand you're not getting something crazy, all right? This was approved, read and approved and sold in the Billy Graham Library and on Focus on the Family. This is something that young people can understand, so go check it out. Do, do you have this already? Do you have it? Well, this is yours then. You're my first person singing out there. I love you. We need a generation of young people not ashamed to say that Jesus Christ is Lord, to say that Jesus Christ is my Savior, that Jesus Christ is my hero! All right. So, hey, we need to declare war and deconstruction and, oh, get my book. <laughs> buy my book. Hey, youth leaders, buy my book. Buy my book and get our CD. It, <laughs> it, it is weird that, hey, war on deconstruction doesn't explain what that is and then goes right into buy my book. Buy my book. And we always got to sell some merchandise. Got to sell some merchandise. Got to sell that merchandise. All right. <laughs> Yeah, they're going to they're gonna charge them. Hey, you need to learn about Jesus correctly, and you can do so for buy my book. Buy my book. That's always the thing. Hey, guys, we're here. People taught these young people about Jesus incorrectly, and I will teach you correctly. Buy my book. Buy my book. It's always buy something. So you, I've got an entire article here. There's a lot of people who have responded to this. A lot of people. And again, a lot of the people who have responded have so much, they've, they've basically, there, there are other people, Kevin Max from DC Talk, who's basically abandoned Christianity. He's obviously condemning uh, what Cooper did. Derek Webb from Kadem's Call, uh, who basically abandoned Christianity. Many of these people have basically abandoned Christianity is con- condemning it. Some people are condemning it just because of the tone. It seems derogatory. It's attacking. Um, and I just think that there's there's more to this deconstruction than than this. So let me I'm gonna I, I'm just gonna read all of this article. I've got all these news articles, but I, what I'm going to I'm just gonna try to summarize a couple of thoughts here, and then I'm gonna go to a, an article that was written and was published today uh, about what would Jesus deconstruct, which is a very different approach to all of this. So let's go through this. All right. So let's, let's just try to think this through. All right. Couple of, I was going to read all of these news articles, but it, it, it just will become redundant at some point. People either agree with what Cooper did or disagree. I'm going to place it in first in its original context. It's a Christian concert. This kind of nonsense. I mean, I don't want to say nonsense. This kind of thing happens all the time. It's just someone just, they just throw out a line here or there. 
It's everyone applauds. Yay. Okay. He said it. Woo. Okay. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is my hero because he's going to go into the song. Okay. Got, got you. It's all just the throwing those things out, right? It's like if you go to a secular concert, you know, let's rock tonight. Yeah. Let's party. Yeah. It's just, there's certain things you're just supposed to say in Christian concerts, just kind of throw in some Jesus stuff that you're supposed to say to get everyone fired up. Okay. Gotcha. So I'm not expecting this to be some detailed discussion of deconstruction. And I don't think it should be judged as that. It it shouldn't be. I'm not expecting it to be perfect because it's a Christian rock concert and you're saying things constantly to get people fired up and, and, you know, it's trying to motivate people and exhort people and try to get Christians excited about their faith. Okay. I understand what's going on. You can say whether it's beneficial or not beneficial. Is it a short term, like, you know, like a, a, a drug, you get a little boost and then, you know, six, about three weeks later, you've already come down from your high and you're just back to what you were before the Christian concert. You, you could have those discussions all day. But here's what I would say. I think it's really, I know what you're trying to do in a setting of a Christian concert. But if that Christian concert is really meant not just to be about the parents, it's not just supposed to be about the youth leaders. If it's supposed to be about young people in that crowd, I can guarantee you that there are young people in that crowd who is there, maybe not even want to be there. They may be there because mom and dad sent them there or the youth groups made them go there. They're, they may not even like Skillet. They just happen to be there or the church youth group is going to an event. They're just going to go because, well, it's better than being at church or doing whatever I'm doing on a Thursday night, Friday night, whatever. I mean, they're in, they were in Iowa for crying out loud. So there probably wasn't a lot going on in Iowa. All right? so, so they went, great. But you know what? I bet you there's young people in that crowd, who've watched lots of those deconstruction videos. And they may watch them because they've got struggles. They got questions. They got doubts. They got issues. Maybe they've seen some things and experienced some things. Maybe they got some pain. Maybe they got some bitterness. Maybe they got some frustration with some things within Christianity. And the last thing you want them, you know, The last thing you want to happen, because the parents who hear that nonsense, right? It's the parents there. It's the youth leaders there. They take that and they're like, that's it. My kids are not going to be watching these stupid deconstruction videos on YouTube. This is just not acceptable. How do, I'm going to delete the, the TikTok video off your phone. You're not going to watch anymore. And so they'll, the parents are the ones who declare the war. I, I don't like that mentality. I don't like the mentality that the young person can't question or struggle or doubt or have issues. And and the question is, why are they watching those deconstruction videos? Maybe because they've got their own questions. So instead of declaring war and condemning it, maybe it's like, hey, if you've got a young person who's watching these deconstruction videos, or if you're a young person who is deconstructing right now, we're not declaring war on you. We want to know what we can do to help you. How can we answer your questions? How could, what can we do? If you know someone is deconstructing, don't declare war on them. Help them. Listen to them. Hey, here's the thing. If Christians don't want to ever listen to someone who has issues with Christianity. We just want to shut them up and make them listen to us preach to them. Sometimes you got to listen. How about listen to those and go, so what, what's, what's your issue? I talked about this in our study of 1 Corinthians 10, 13. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 shoved down your throat over and over and over that, hey, now that you're a Christian, you're never going to be tempted more than you're able, so you don't have to sin. And you have a way of escape, so you can stop sinning. And then after about a couple of years of continuing to sin, you may go, I don't know if this Jesus thing works. I don't know if this Bible thing works. That's a legitimate concern, but you're not supposed to mention that because, you know, because you don't want anyone in the church to know that you're doing this or this or this or this or this or this, because we can't ever be open or honest because it's immediately, there's an immediate attack upon it. There's got to be room for questions and doubts. There's got to be, there's got to be room for, for struggle. And I know that it's never preached that way. And I know some people hate the way I do it, but I look, I, I I got no problem standing by the pulpit going, I don't even understand this. I don't even like this. I can't figure this out. I try to bring all the questions to my people 
so that they're like, well, his questions are so beyond my questions that my questions don't even seem that that significant anymore because he seems to question everything because it's okay to struggle. It's okay to doubt. It's okay to go, I don't, I don't understand this. But it's this idea that, that sometimes Christians, like if you're a Christian young person, you better not doubt anything. You better not question anything. How is that? How is that helping anybody? Now, I know that Coop, John Cooper probably, I, you, if you pull him out of the Christian rock setting, he probably would have a much more articulate approach to this. I would hope he would. I would hope he would. I don't know. But I just think that there's got to be a better approach to the deconstruction thing than other than saying, don't watch the videos and condemn the videos. Now, yes, some of the people, they end in some really bad way. I'll give you an example. Someone sent me a number of TikTok videos of a person who used to be a pastor who has gone through deconstruction and he's still deconstructing. And what I noticed like he said some things that I would obviously disagree with, but I tried to just not hear the dis- things I disagreed with. What I heard in his voice was the pain that he experienced as a pastor. And I'm like, man, I can't relate completely to that because I've had a very, very, very good church experience compared to every other pastor I've ever known who tells me their stories. Their stories are nightmares. I can't even imagine some of the things some pastors go through. But I've heard enough stories from enough pastors to go, man, churches never will realize how much damage and pain they've inflicted upon their pastors. That that being a pastor is a lonely, empty, almost at times feels like a, a meaningless job, an exercise in futility. I heard his pain. Now, I don't like where he ended up. I don't like where he ended up. His TikTok videos, like, yo, man, he's kind of thrown out everything. But you know what? I admire the, the, I, I admire the fact that he's so open and honest, which I wish Christians could be. But if you create an environment where there's war on any deconstruction, and I know that John Cooper, there's no way I, he could, I, I don't think, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. He has to realize that young people suffer and that, that it's okay to question I mean, you're a teenager for crying out loud. You're trying to figure out a lot of things. So I, 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 I just think that we have to have a different approach. And I think we need to do more listening to those deconstructing than condemning. I think we got to do more listening than declaring war because I don't even know what the war looks like. Again, I don't know what that looks like. Does every time someone makes a TikTok video, did I create a TikTok video going, you're an idiot, you're ungodly, you're an idolater, you're going to hell. Is that, do I just run around tagging every other TikTok video with my TikTok video condemning them? Like, or trying to get into a debate with them? In many cases, the debate is, is irrelevant. You just got to listen and try to understand. Now, I'm not saying you say, yeah, you know, you're right, throw out everything of Jesus. But I think we have to hear. So let me ask you a question. I think this is important. So I'm going to take the whole deconstruction concept and I'm going to flip it. And I'm going to ask an important question. When you look at Christianity in 2022, and there's been a lot of books written. There's been almost like an academic infatuation with this going on lately. There's this big infatuation right now to write lots of books trying to look at the early church, like like not not the later church fathers, but those church fathers that came right after the apostles. I mean, they're like right there. And there's a lot of people now writing these very academic books saying, man, the Christianity that arose right after the apostles doesn't look anything like the Christianity in 2022. And they're using that to basically condemn the Christianity of 2022. And I, 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 I may do a podcast episode with a number of these books that are gaining lots of traction because there, there's, there's a lot of people now looking into this. It's just interesting that now a lot of you know, scholarly works are looking at that period of church history. We usually go later on. We, you know, we'll, we'll jump to Augustine and uh, you know, Athanasius. We'll, we'll jump up there, but they're, they're those earlier. And they're like, well, what, what did the Christianity look like then? So my question is, if we look at the Christianity in 2022 versus maybe a more biblical form of Christianity, 
Maybe there's some things we should deconstruct. Maybe there's some things we should throw out. So I I, I don't think you can condemn all deconstruction. I mean, in a roundabout way, wasn't the Protestant Reformation the first deconstruction movement? They took what was Christianity, what was literally the established church at the time, and they deconstructed and threw out different elements of it. Wasn't that the original deconstruction movement? We could even maybe even go earlier, but I'm saying the Protestant Reformation is the thing Protestants would celebrate. Yeah, Luther told them. Well, wasn't he deconstructing? So, I mean, like, you can't say that every form of deconstruction is wrong because I think as a Christian, we're always looking at our Christian faith and looking at our life going, man, we deconstruct this and we take this apart. And I, maybe that, maybe I had this wrong. Maybe I had this wrong. I mean, I'm always doing that. There, there are things I preached before that I no longer preach. And I will admit that I changed my perspective. I don't, I don't care if it makes me look stupid, weak, foolish. Who cares? You, you've got to, we've got to constantly be looking. So the reason I bring this up is because of the article that was published today kind of raises this question. Now, it's based off a book, and the book, (laughs) I I haven't recommended the book in the book club yet because the book uh, definitely has a radical theological perspective, very radical, but it's raising a very important question. So the name of the article is, What Would Jesus Deconstruct? Deconstruction is an overused but undefined slogan and contemporary Christian circles. Its broad range of meaning has contributed to numerous misunderstandings, especially between the fracturing groups emerging from American evangelicalism. Now, I think there's, I think that's the thing. I think what we heard from Cooper is maybe a misunderstanding. He just hears the word deconstruction. We declare war! And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Maybe the term has, there's more, there, there's more to the term then you just see it now as something negative. On the one hand, the term can be understood referring to a kind of tearing down of ancient boundary stones within historic orthodoxy, resulting finally in apostasy. So it can be viewed in a very negative way, right? It can, it can be uh, in a pejorative way, in a very negative way, like this is bad. This is, this is about destroying the faith and orthodoxy, and you're going to end up a pagan and an atheist. Now, there are people who so deconstruct that they basically are become a heretic. Yes, it's not that the deconstruction, listen, it's not that the deconstruction was wrong. It's just the conclusion that they ended with is wrong. It's not that the, so is because if you're not careful, you're like any questioning, any doubting is, is wrong. You, we can't go there. It's the end result of their deconstruction. It's not that the process was wrong because it, you can't tell me it's wrong to question and doubt and doubt and test and reconsider and restudy and reexamine. That's the only way to even grow spiritually. But, but so it's almost by some, like they hear the word deconstruction. They're like, okay, so that person's going to become an atheist. Not all of them become an atheist. And one of the, or one of the person, the first person to ever email me about this, that's what, what they said was so interesting is that some of these people, they deconstruct maybe from what I'll call it churchianity, but they still hold on to Jesus. All right, well, that's it. They, 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 they understood that early, earlier on. And there's some still people today who haven't caught on to that. In this case, in, in the case of basically you're tearing down historic orthodoxy and you basically become an apostasy, in that case, deconstruction is simply destruction, reducing the Protestant impulse of reformation to demolition. On the other hand, it can signify an honest reappraisal, critically evaluating the various elements of one's faith rather than settling for an unreflective confession. In this case, the aim of deconstruction is a positive reconstruction in the light of a searching and fearless inventory. Both of those connotations, we might note, are far removed from the original meaning. Now, so they're saying that there could be, a, there could be another one that, that would be called a deconstruction, but it actually is reconstruction. 
It's, but their, their argument is that both of those ideas, the one that leads to apostasy and the one that kind of leads to a reconstruction, they're saying both of those, neither of them are really a part of the original meaning of the term. What do they think the original meaning is? Here we go. However, we think, however we think of the term, most would probably agree that not all forms of faith deconstruction are good, nor are all bad. Ian Harbour, who deconstructed his own progressive Christianity, says, the goal of deconstruction should be greater faithfulness to Jesus, not mere self-discovery or signaling one's virtue. Even Messa, editor of Before You Lose Your Faith, deconstruction, Deconstructing Doubt in the Church, Similarly writes, deconstruction can be the road towards reconstruction, building up a more mature, robust faith that grapples honestly with the deeper questions of life. Now, I, I will like to, I will say, maybe you see this, maybe you don't. I think in our Bible study exercises, we kind of really do this. I'm questioning, challenging, trying to figure things out, questioning, struggling, wait, what does this mean? That doesn't make any sense. Working on things, looking to, like this week for the Bible study exercise, it's about looking at how we have been hurt and how people have betrayed us or hurt us and how we have hurt others to try to detect and find bitterness in us. That's in a sense deconstructing what has happened to us, what we've done to others so that we can find the bitterness that finds within us so that we can deal with it in a biblical way. Sometimes it's asking difficult questions about a text of scripture going, wait a minute, that doesn't make any sense. That doesn't make any sense. In a roundabout way, we did a little bit of deconstruction when we did the Bible study exercise on temptation because it led us to taking apart 1 Corinthians 10, 13 and coming to a radically different understanding of it. So I just just don't know, like deconstruction, it can be... Deconstruction can be destruction or deconstruction can be reconstruction. It just, it, there, there's so many facts. It's not the, it's like we're condemning the process. I, like, let's declare war on the process. No, the process is great. It's questioning, it's struggling, it's asking. No, the, how it ends up, well, it, it, why it ends up differently for different people, that's a deeper question. But I can tell you, just declaring war is not going to fix it. I can tell you that. Why do some people have different outcomes? That would be the question. Maybe they're not grappling honest, honestly with the problem. Maybe maybe they're not willing to listen to any, they're only listening to one perspective. There, there are lots of questions there. Um, the the so-called father of deconstruction coined the term as a translation um, of the word uh, destruction. Interestingly, the term itself appears to be a translation of Martin Luther's use of destructio to describe God's deconstruction of human wisdom through the gospel, 1 Corinthians 1.19. All right, so they're going back now to the history, to the father of, of really the term, and he comes, he, he takes the term from this other word, which seems to be coming from how Luther described God's destruction of human wisdom in 1 Corinthians 1.19. In other words, God deconstructs human wisdom to show the futility of it, right? So the term itself is just about taking something apart, maybe showing the weakness or the futility in an idea. It, it, there's not something inherently wrong with the concept. All right, I, c- I could go through all of that a little bit more, but I didn't want to get bogged down in all of that, right? Contrary to postmodern wisdom, the foolishness of God has brought us face-to-face with the eternal word, 1 Corinthians 1, 21 through 25. The word deconstructs all our wise words, but it must be interpreted by fools like us. Decades before many of these people, Cornelius Van Til observed that every fact is an interpreted fact, including facts of faith. That is why we're always being reformed. Now, that's a very interesting idea, that every fact is an interpreted fact, including facts of faith. That is why we're always being reformed. So in other words, everything that we think we know, every fact, there's still an interpretation and understanding that fact. So if everything is interpreted, well, then we have to constantly be questioning and challenging our interpretation. That's why we're always reforming. We should always be reforming. 
We should always be struggling. Now, now, yes, we want to stay within some parameters of hopefully historical, orthodox, biblical Christianity, but we should always be questioning and struggling and, and, and working on these kinds of things. So I, I think that's interesting that they said that. It says there exists a space between our faith and the faith, a space of questioning. In other words, we have our faith and we have the faith. Now, our faith should be the faith. And a lot of times we think our faith is the faith. But I think in many cases, our faith is our best attempt and understanding the faith. And there's a space, really, there's a gap there. And that gap is filled with our constantly questioning and challenging, trying to move from our faith to the faith, trying to get closer and closer to the faith. This could lead me into a hundred different podcast episodes, but let's go through here. Uh, So there's a lot more here we could go through here. So what they do here is see if they list things. All right. So um, theologian and philosopher, John Caputo, C-A-P-U-T-O, John Caputo, C-A-P-U-T-O. I want to keep wanting to say U2. Not the band U2. John Caputo, C-A-P-U-T-O. I keep wanting to say U2. Wrote a book titled, What Would Jesus Deconstruct? They go on to say, though we don't subscribe to his radical theology, the concept is not entirely without biblical warrant. Because there's a lot of people offering this idea of what would Jesus deconstruct? So we'll just take the last few minutes to ponder this question. If Jesus was to physically, and I know this is hypothetical, but physically walk into the average church in 2022, what would he, figuratively speaking, Tick his whip out and start knocking over tables and chasing out of the church. In a sense, when Jesus walked into the temple, he started deconstructing it, knocking, knocking things out, saying, get out, get out. You've turned the, my father's house basically into a house of merchandise. Get out. Now we could try to figure out the cultural thing and what was going on. But what would Jesus, in a sense, say, get out of the church today? What things need to be deconstructed today from the church? Because I don't think there's anyone in their right mind who could say that what we have today is what the early church would have understood. Now, I'm not saying every change is bad, but I'm saying there's room for deconstructing. There's room for looking at what we're doing. There's rooms for saying, I don't think that's right. I think that's wrong. So just to declare a war in deconstruction, I think is foolish. I think we need to look at first, like we constantly, I think as Christians, we need to constantly be looking at the church and saying, what do we need to deconstruct and possibly get rid of? I think we need to be constantly looking at our own lives about what we need to deconstruct and what we need to work on and, and what we need to change and think. And we're constantly questioning and asking and struggling. I think there has to be room for that. So I think we need to look at what, the, what needs to be deconstructed in the church, what needs to be deconstructed in our own Christian lives. And then I think number three, we've got to have an ear that hears those who are deconstructing and listen to why, why are they deconstructing. And, and we got to hear more than just what we have a tendency to do. It's like, well, listen to a YouTube, uh, a, a, I keep, sometimes I keep saying YouTube, TikTok, the deconstruction, is, and there, there's, there's stuff on YouTube, but TikTok is really where it became more prominent. So if I've said YouTube anywhere in this episode, I apologize. But in, on TikTok, what we hear is we hear, we watch that TikTok video and we'll immediately hear something they say. Oh, wait a minute, 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 wait a minute. They just said that and that's not true. If you look up here or there was archaeological evidence that proves that's not true and they're misinterpreting the scripture and wait, that's not what happened at the Council of Nicaea. If all we hear are the things that we immediately disagree with and then start arguing with, I think what we're doing is we're missing the deeper issue. What we want to do is what led you to start deconstructing. I don't want to hear all of the, I don't want to immediately respond to all of your arguments and have an apologetic debate. No, there's something deeper going on. What led that person to deconstruct? Hear that. Hear that. Then try to sympathize. Have empathy for that. And then say, okay, 
Let's start there. Let's not start with all of your, you know, maybe 10 cent argument that can be dismantled by anyone with a freshman, you know, course and apologetics. Many of the, the their arguments about Christianity are clearly just, it's just something they heard and they're just parroting. Okay, that's fine. But arguing with them is not going to fix the problem because it's a deeper issue. Something led to the deconstruction. In many cases, what you find out, it was some something bad. It was something horrible. This is about pain. So, so I think we need to see what we can, what needs to be deconstructed in the church because there's, we're always reforming. The church needs to constantly be relooking at itself going, man, what have we done wrong in all of this? How, how could we fix, how could we do better here? We need to look at ourselves, right? Constantly challenging, here's what I believe, here's what I think. Oh, man, I gotta, gotta keep working on that. that that's, I think that's the process of Bible study. I think Bible study is a never-ending process of deconstruction. I take what I think I know, and I'm constantly challenging with what the scriptures say, and then deconstructing what I what my wrong interpretation to try to find a right interpretation. And but I think we have to have a different approach to those deconstructing. We, I think I, war. I don't. I don't know what war does. I don't even know what that means. We got to hear the person. Sometimes all we do is hear the words. It's different to hear the person. And not the words. And listen, I am not good at this. I'm not saying this as I've got it figured out. You say something to me, I have a tendency to just go, those, that's the words that we're saying. Let's go at it. Let's go after it, right? Those are, sometimes it's hard to stop and go, wait a minute. There's sometimes though, it's just the words and that's, you've got to deal with the words, but sometimes you can clearly tell there's something beyond the words, and sometimes you got to ignore the words to get to that very thing. I think anytime someone is deconstructing, there's something more going on. Now, sometimes what you'll find out, and this is true, is it's not. They're, decon- they're not deconstructing because all of a sudden they read a book that gave them some proof that proved Christianity is not true. They're just throwing some of that nonsense out just because they want out of Christianity because they now want to have maybe a a sexual partner of the same sex. Maybe they've decided that they want a relationship with this person. Maybe they want to, in many cases, what's really driving the deconstruction has nothing to do with they've now proven Christianity not to be true. It's the fact that they've decided they don't want to live according to Christianity. That's what I've seen most of the time is they'll go through the deconstruction. This is usually how it works. They decon, not not in every single case, but in some some famous cases, Oh man, I'm starting to deconstruct my faith and I don't know about this and I don't know about this. And oh, I'd also like to announce to everyone that I'm divorcing my wife because I'm gay. And you're like, whoa, that was that that went quick from deconstruction to divorcing your wife and now that you're now you're gay. Maybe there was something else driving your deconstruction. Like sometimes you gotta be honest. Like sometimes it's not like, oh, I figured out Christianity wasn't true. Now I'm going to divorce my wife and marry that 24-year-old who's very pretty. That's that's what I'm going to do. Was it because I started deconstructing my faith or I started realizing that I wanted a 24-year-old uh, female instead of a, a wife who's older? Maybe, maybe, maybe you can just be honest. Like sometimes I think there's some honesty that needs to occur within the deconstruction world, right? Okay. You don't need to try to make it. Let's figure it out. You've now solved the problem and proven Christianity is false. You've just figured out what you want. And that's okay. If that's what you want, just admit it and go get it. And just realize that you don't you don't want Christianity to restrict you. I think there's got to be some honesty on the deconstruction, quote unquote, side as well. But even there, attacking it and declaring war is not going to matter. It's, it's like, okay, come on. Now, what's really going on? What's really going on? And if they'll be honest with you, sometimes when they start telling you what's really going on, you're like, okay, now, then then there's no point in saying you just made an argument about this thing within Christianity and I'm going to go find six books to try to show you that this thing is actually true and you're misunderstanding it. You don't care about these six books. You don't care about these arguments because you've already made up your mind because you want something that Christianity condemns. We've all been there. We've all found ourselves wanting things that Christianity says you can't have. That you, we find ourselves all the time wanting to do something that Christianity says you can't do. Now, sometimes we do those things. Now, you can either then start making some excuse 
to say Christianity isn't true so that you can continue or acknowledge that what you did was a sin and deal, repent, deal with the shame, the embarrassment, and pick yourself back up and say, okay, I can't, I can't change what I've done, but I can, but that doesn't define who I am because who I am is who I am in Christ and move forward. That's all you can do. But, um, so I think there's sometimes some dis, there, not everyone is genuine in their deconstruction process, but there's a lot of people who are genuine with pain and I just don't know declaring war. I don't think that John Cooper from Skillet probably meant it the way it came across because it's a Christian rock concert for crying out loud. But the point is, is now all these news articles are being written. Everyone has an opinion. Maybe he will, I think he has a podcast. I'm almost positive he has a podcast. Maybe maybe, maybe in his podcast, I'm pretty sure he has a podcast on the Edify Christian Podcast app produced by Edify. I think I think he does. But um there's a very good chance that he would he would be far more nuanced in a podcast setting and not a Christian rock concert setting. Um and if he and, or maybe he will just say no, we need to declare war. Maybe he would at least articulate what a war looks like. I don't know exactly what the war looks like. I don't know exactly how we're supposed to fight it. But I think as uh, once again, Christianity has demonstrated that sometimes when something is going on within the culture, our response sometimes is so misguided and misunderstood. I think we need to focus on the deconstruction that maybe needs to happen within the church, definitely needs to happen within our lives, and we need to actually listen beyond the words being said to those deconstructing, to those who are very genuine and those who are like, come on now, okay? You just want an excuse to get out of Christianity, okay? Come on. And then other times you're going to like, man, well, you've got some, I can see why you would be deconstructing. You've went through some really messed up stuff and then try to listen and hear and show empathy and sympathy. Even, even try to show sympathy for the person who just wants out of Christianity because they want something. You, you still got to try to show sympathy to that. You can understand it because we've all been there. But there you have it. I don't know what else I can say in regards to this. The articles are all, there's articles on the Christian Post, julieroys.com, Christian Headlines, Crosswalk. These articles all about John Cooper declaring war on deconstruction have shown up all over the place. Everyone has an opinion. Um, You can form your own opinion. Um, I just ask that you be maybe a little bit more thoughtful about it. And if you're young, if you know someone, a young person who's watching deconstruction videos, or maybe they're, they're starting to deconstruct themselves or using that terminology. Let me just say attack is probably not your best approach. Questions, listening, patience, grace, mercy, sympathy. Oh, you may have to ask some hard questions. You may be like, no, come on now. Come on, what's really going on? You may have to get to their, come on now, what's really going on? Okay, what do you want? What, what do you really, really want? And then maybe they'll just say, okay, all right, this is what I really, really want. I don't want the rules of Christianity because I want to do this. And you can like, okay, I, I understand. Nobody's going to force Christianity upon you. It's a choice you're going to have to make. And then you, 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 you just realize if Christianity is true, there's eternal consequences. But you, you, you can do what you need to do. But you, you're, you're making a big decision here. And you, sometimes all you can do is just let the person do what they want to do. You, you know? Sometimes as a church, you got to address it and go, okay, now, come on. If you're going to go do that and still claim to be a Christian, you're going to put yourself put yourself in a very difficult perspective from the church. So, you know, it could lead to church discipline. So what do you want to do? And then if they want to go do that, you just sometimes have to painfully just say, okay, and just you go do that. And then pray that that at some point they'll realize and, and maybe come back and then just open the door and let them come back and you move forward and, 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 and that's all you can do. I just think that we've got to think these things through, but we get caught up in um, saying sometimes things in a way that doesn't really benefit anybody. And I don't think his comments really have benefited anybody. He's in a sense, he's preaching to the choir there. He, in other words, he was not thinking about people actually deconstructing. He was thinking about the youth leaders and the parents and trying to get those kids fired up so that they were like, that's right, I'm never going to deconstruct. And that, you know, how about reaching out to the people actually deconstructing? That, that, would, be, that would be cool, right? An actual message to people actually deconstructing instead of just kind of preaching to the choir. 
All right. You can email me all of your disagreements to newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. If you're working on the Bible study exercise this week, please participate. It's a very important study. I won't have the ability to do anything this evening on it, even though I wanted to because we spent too much time on these other things. I hope the conversation about narcissism, I hope that will get more attention than it probably will because I think it's very, 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 very important. Won't be here tomorrow, Wednesday, in-person services at 7 p.m. Most likely I won't be able to be here before that. So it'll be just that one service at 7 p.m. And we'll probably do something with the Bible study exercise and uh, Joseph and um, his whole emotional breakdown and how his family and maybe try to come up with some thoughts on bitterness, which fits with our Bible study exercise this week. So that may be what we do Wednesday night. But there you go. We're still waiting for the massive update that's supposed to be coming to the Sermon Audio app. I'm still waiting because when we do that, then we're going to pick some, like some of the favorite broadcasters on, on Sermon Audio because you can actually follow them and we'll see if we get actual updates when they add new content. We'll see if the app actually works like a podcast app. And then um, we'll go back and we'll, we'll do some, you know, podcast, Christian podcast in the spotlight. We'll do that. There's, there's 15,000 other things we need to work on, but there you go. All right. I'll, I'm going to head home. Everyone have a great night. God bless.